kicking off a new series called Verbs. It's all about action. It's all about actually learning to live life in a skilled fashion. Okay, we got creative. We basically took the first part of the word proverb off of the word proverb and left it with verbs. All right, that's what's happening. What we're going to do for the next 31 days is study the book of Proverbs. Okay, really cool deal. There's usually 31 days in a month, and guess what? There are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. So the challenge I'm going to give you at the end of the sermon is that you would start on Wednesday, which is May 1st, reading a chapter of Proverbs a day for the next 31 days. It's super simple. You just wake up, you go, what day is it? It's the 7th. So what am I reading today? Proverbs chapter 7. We're going to do that as a community because here's the deal. We want to learn how to be skilled at living. In the Old Testament, when it talked about wisdom, that's literally what it meant. Skill at living. Are you skilled at living? Here's how you know. As you look back in your life, how many regrets do you have, right? Anybody got any regrets? I know I do. You look back, you're like, whoa, that whole decade was just something was going on, right? If you look in the rearview mirror of your life and you see regrets, those are basically enormous life signposts that say, need wisdom. That's how you know. Regrets are the moments where wisdom did not exactly translate to decision in your life. Wisdom is defined as this. The quality of having experience, knowledge, and good judgment, right? That's the last one. Because some of us have knowledge and every day you wake up, guess what? You just accumulated more experience. But sometimes in life, when it comes to good judgment, we find ourselves wanting. Ever being a teenager? Wasn't that great? When you could just do stupid unbelievably non-wise things. And at the end of it, you'd be like, I'm 15, right? And here's the deal. When you're under the age of 25, so some of you right now are just like, all right, sweet. I can still do stupid stuff. I'm only 23, right? Before, by, up to the age of 25, here is your excuse for living unwise. You have brain damage, all right? It's good. You, seriously. Up until the point of 25, the human brain is still actually forming. And what happens is the rational, the prefrontal cortex of the mind, where you make rational decisions and balance like emotion with rational thought, that fully forms at about 25. The adult mind is able to actually balance stuff out like, oh man, this, and I could, all oh, the emotion. And then it's like, oh, okay, I should probably not do that. But when you're a teenager, You do everything from the amygdala, which is like the emotional center of your brain. That's why as a teenager, you did stuff and your parents came to you and they're like, what were you thinking? And you genuinely, honestly answered them with, oh no. Because you didn't. I remember, and I'll I'll tell this story. There are a lot of stories about foolishness in my life that I will not be sharing this morning. Here's one for my teenagers that's fairly uh, whatever. So I grew up in Arizona. In Arizona, it's really, really hot. So you have to have a pool or you die. 
okay? So we had a pool in the backyard, and as, I think I was probably 15 or 16 years old. My buddies were over. It was summer break. Parents are at work. We're at home alone, swimming, having a great time, playing pool basketball, trying to jump off the diving board, come up with games. You know when you're with your buddies, you got to come up with games, like who can dive the furthest, who can jump that far into the inner tube. I mean, it's all stuff. But then we got bored with stuff that would make sense to do in the pool in a rational, wise kind of way. And then we started thinking to ourselves, what could make this more fun? And then we realized this house has a roof. (laughs) I think we'd make it, guys. I think we can make it. So we figure out that if we get up on, we have a six-foot block fence, right? And you do a tightrope walk down the fence, you can then jump onto a little storage shed that we had that was made of, of metal. Not good metal, like almost going to fall in and die type metal. But you could jump on top of the shed, walk across the hot metal, and then jump about three feet onto the roof, which was a little bit of a thing you could miss, right? But then once you got up on the roof, then you were good because you only had to clear about a six-foot piece of concrete into the pool and then make sure you dove far enough in that you got to the deep end of the pool, didn't hit your head on the the, the diving board, or get too close to the shallow end where you snap your, your legs in half, But if all of that worked out, man, was it fun. (laughs) And we're up there jumping off the roof. You know what I mean? It was awesome, whatever. And then I got back up. It was my turn, you know, and I'm up there and I'm like, all right, guys, you ready? And all of a sudden I hear the sound of a tire screeching, like, because the road, we live on a corner. The road is right here. And as I'm getting ready to launch myself into this very wise decision into a pool, I look and I see the face of my father. <laughs> and he, he is older than 25. <laughs> All the parts of his brain are working, right? And he says something super like encouraging uh, and soft and gentle, like, get off the roof! You know what I mean? And uh, that was stupid, really stupid. Could have died, could have died. Didn't, still alive, didn't break the legs. But at those moments, right, I, I can at least have the excuse, I was, I was naive, My brain wasn't working. I was 15. But if we were in the trust tree this morning and it was just you and me, we could probably sit down and be like, here's the issue. When I was like 27, I did that. And then when I was 32, there was that. (laughs) Then there was Friday night, there was that. And my brain's been functioning for quite some time with all the parts. See, when we start having moments where wisdom was not a part of our decision-making process, we have these regrets and we look back and we go, but I don't know if I'm necessarily skilled at living. Well, guess what? That's going to be our goal over the next month, to increase our skill at living. Because the book of Proverbs, its actual purpose is to teach us to be skilled at living. Let's go to the word of God. Chapter one, verse one of Proverbs says this. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom, which is the skill of living and discipline to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful life. Who wants to live a disciplined and successful life? Me? Yeah, everybody. All right. Got good news for you, right? This is going to help us do what is right and just and fair. These Proverbs we're going to read over the next month and apply to our life. These verbs will give us insight 
especially if we're simple, or we could also use the word naive. It will give us knowledge and discernment to the young. Let the wise listen to these proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning in these proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles. And then it hits us with this gem right here. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. There's another place in the book of Proverbs where it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, to understand how we grow in our skill of living, we got to figure out what our relationship to wisdom is. So we've got three chairs. They're going to represent the three characters that Proverbs talks about that you're going to read about over the next 31 days. They are the naive or the simple, the fool or the mocker or scoffer, okay? All of us sit in one of these chairs. I'm getting ready to define what it looks like to sit in these chairs. Let me speak prophecy over your life. You're not going to enjoy the next six or seven minutes of this sermon, okay? Just get ready. Because in our brains, I think we all want to like believe that we're a little bit wiser than we are. And most of us don't like labels being put on our life. But I had to write the sermon this week, and I didn't like it, so you're going to have to deal with it too. All right? Here we go. The naive. This is where it starts. Now, if you're naive, here's your relationship to wisdom. You lack experience. Okay? You're probably just young. You're probably under the age of 25, and you're naive. You're like, well, you don't even know my name, bro. <laughs> you're right. I don't. I just know that when you're under the age of 25, you just haven't experienced that much in life. So here's what learning wisdom sounds like if you're 25 and younger. If I had only known that, I wouldn't have fill in the blank, right? It's not that you're stupid at all. You could get a perfect score on your SAT and be the smartest person in your family, in your class, in your high school or college and still be naive because you just lack experience. Why do, why do credit card companies send tons of, uh, uh, of information and, and, uh, and sign up opportunities to college freshmen? Remember your freshman year at college and you got your mailbox and you're like, I got a mailbox, right? And mail started coming to you. I know actually some of you that are like 25, you're like, what is, what is even mail? I mean, you mean like email? Like, no, like, I mean, you used to get like mail in your mailbox, right? And it was exciting. Like, this is addressed to me. And you open it. And it was like, oh my gosh, this amazing company, Visa, see so much promise in me that they're willing to give me $2,500. I didn't even ask. They're so kind, right? Why do you think that happens to college freshmen? Because Visa knows that they're unbelievably rational thinkers and they will think to themselves, oh, this is my first time with freedom from mom and dad. I will handle this process very responsibly. In fact, I will rip up this credit card because this is dangerous. No, they'll think free money, right? Like me, freshman year, sitting in my dorm. I'm a drummer, have an old drum set. 
Don't like old drum set. New drum set looks awesome in magazine. Look how shiny it is. I'll bet I'll be a better drummer if I own this one. Oh, look how cool I'll look on stage. Mom and dad aren't here to tell me that's foolish and stupid and you'll pay for it for the next 10 years. All I've got to do is call 1-800-GIVE-ME-THIS-DRUM-SET-NOW and give them these numbers and they're mailing me a drum set, right? Debt. If I would have only known that I didn't have the money to pay for the drum set, Or it could sound like this for you. If I would have only known that hanging out with people that do drugs in high school would have led me to start doing drugs. But I didn't know that because I'm naive and I've never lived before. But when your mom and dad were like, hey, there's a proverb that actually talks about that bad company can corrupt good character. So choose your friends wisely. Shut up, mom. You don't even know Billy. He's cool, right? Because you're naive. But it doesn't mean that, that this can't be true. For the waywardness, Proverbs 1, chapter 1, verse 32, for the waywardness of naive will kill them. And the complacency of fools will destroy them. Because you can still do some damage in your life, actually a lot of dynamic when you're naive. If I would only known hanging out at my boyfriend's house by ourselves all the time and laying on the couch under a cover watching movies would have led to me being pregnant, I wouldn't have done that. But you didn't know. You see, when we're naive, wisdom sounds like if I had only known. And if you're in this chair this morning, you need wisdom and you need experience that you can gain from other people so you don't repeat their mistakes. Now, the next chair is the chair of the fool. Oh, this part gets fun. Because most of us, by my look, are over the age of 25. Therefore, we don't have the excuse that we're brain damaged. So we're probably going to be in the chair of the fool or the scoffer. I'm going to guess that most of us aren't in the chair of the scoffer because scoffers and mockers don't often go to church, right? We'll, we'll skip over here real quick. The mocker or the scoffer, they can be taught by no one because they know everything. If you're a mocker or a scoffer, you didn't come here today to learn something. You came here today to hear what I have to say so that you can go home with your friends that brought you and deconstruct everything that I say, tweet about it this afternoon, and then wake up tomorrow morning and, and when you get to work, you'll be like, you won't believe what this dude was saying to this church. I mean, he's so stupid. I mean, doesn't he know that we think totally different this way? I mean, I'm so progressive. I mean, the whole Proverbs thing is so dumb. and what, Like, that's a scoffer. And you're probably not here. If you are, what education is going to sound like to you is probably failure and pain, which you won't interpret as actual instruction because you're at a place where you, you lack so much humility, you really can't be taught. Okay. Now, for the rest of us fools in the room, welcome, welcome. This is what your relationship to wisdom sounds like if you're a fool. You know what's right and wrong. You can rationally have a conversation where you understand the consequences and the risks of your actions or decisions. 
You might even read the Bible and go, I even know it's in there. I get it. I agree with your point. But I don't care. I'm going to do it anyway. And all of us have one or two or ten areas in our life where we go, yeah, I know, but I don't care. I'm going to do it anyway. It's like this. Let's say in your family, heart disease has been a problem. And someone comes and says, hey, you know that your grandpa and your dad and your uncle and or your aunt or whatever it is, and there's the heart thing and the stuff. And so we really need to think about the diet and the exercise and you get all that, right? Yeah, I totally understand everything you're saying about the health situation. So then Darren when you go through Freddy's drive-thru yesterday, has anybody been to Freddy's recently? It's, up, it's just up the way there. And I don't know, I don't know what's going on in the kitchen there at Freddy's. They must be praying and fasting as they make those burgers. And then that seasoning they put on the fries, I, I, it's, it's got to be something in the Holy Spirit that comes over the fries. Because I got in the drive-thru and and in my brain, I was thinking the wise thing to do is not go to Freddy's. And then I was like, but I want to. And then I was like, the wise thing would be to get something maybe with less carbs and lettuce. Skip the fries. And I said, mm, no, I don't want to. Oh, yeah. Can I get the number six? Yeah, the double, the California. Yeah, give me the fries. Can you give me some of the extra Holy Spirit seasoning on those fries, please? And a Coke Zero. (laughs) (laughs) Or it's money. I know we had all the goals, right? We weren't going to go on a vacation trip until we paid that thing off. Or I know we were going to save the money because we listened to that one Dave Ramsey podcast and now we have the envelope system and we're going to have a thousand things, whatever, whatever. But the new clothes at Target right now are on fire, right? And I know, I know we had a goal. We were going to save money. We were going to do this. And I know we have all these debt problems and we keep having this issue and we have fights in our marriage about how we spend too much money. We don't save money. But here's the deal. I don't care because I want his clothes. Right? Or if we're trying to kind of be in the Bible kind of thing, this is what fools do as well. We say things like this. Well, can you give me a, the chapter and the verse that says I can't? Like, prove to me biblically that I can't do this. Right? A lot of things like that. Like drinking. Can we drink? Does ever say in the Bible, absolutely don't drink? No, it doesn't. What about smoking? Want to burn one down every once in a while? Does it say in the Bible, do not smoke? You like your marble lights? You like your marble lights? Gambling. Like we could fill in the blank, right? 
Or, or, or even now, it's, it's, can you tell me, like, remember this one at, at, at church camp? You went to church camp when you, were, uh, when you were 15, and then you had the same conversation when you were 25, and then you actually had the same conversation when you were getting back into dating at, like, 37? Um, I mean, how far is too far? I mean, how far is too far? I mean, can you show me chapter and verse that says, me and my girlfriend, we can't make out like that? I mean, can, does it say anywhere in the Bible the third base is too far. Can you show it to me? Now, I know we, you can interpret that scripture to say that we shouldn't move in together before we get married. And you can give me some stats about, you know, the stats of that, whatever. But I'm going to show you all the things that I'm thinking about that I could do. And since you can't show me chapter and verse, I mean, we're going to do that. And I think, Mom and Dad, you're, the way you think is so old school. Don't you know it's 2019? And we can kind of do things the way we do things now. And we're not trying to be old school, just like religious people. So if you can't show me that it's absolutely a sin not to do it, I'm going to do it because I don't care. I think it's interesting when, we have, when, when you, you find something that, that you don't like that the Bible says it's like wisdom. Isn't it funny how much, how, 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 like, like, oh, that's old school. Don't you know it's 2019? How are we doing with our new school way of living in our culture? Does it just look like there's skilled living being displayed by the bucketful in our culture today? Hmm. I'm going to go with no. Here's, I, man, I really dislike this passage of scripture. Listen to what it says here. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom. I didn't know until this week that I despise wisdom. Because in the foolish areas of my life, when I began asking the wisest question possible that I'm going to teach you here in just a second, what I found is I was looking wisdom dead in the face and realizing you're right, wisdom. And I despise you. Like when you realize that this is not the wisest thing to be doing, but you really want to do it anyway. That emotion that I had to deal with this week, I realized was me despising wisdom. And guess what? That felt really foolish. Here's the question I want us to, to start uh, thinking through. I'm going to say this at the end of the sermon again, but I just want to give it to you early. If you want to move out of the chair of the fool, here's a great question that you start, could start asking. In light of my past experiences, in light of my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams, what is the wisest decision I could make? Andy Stanley asked this question in a great book he wrote a couple years ago, and I read it, heard him talk about it. I was like, this is gold. 
in light of my past experiences, all those signposts of regret in my past that said, get wisdom. In light of my current circumstance that I'm in where I'm trying to figure out what I should do. And in light of the person, in the family, in the marriage, in the finances, in everything I hope and dream to live down the road, what is the wisest decision I could make right now? We start asking that question, I think we may find ourselves stepping out of the chair of the fool and beginning to see ourselves skilled at living. Because here's the question, who's teaching you how to be skilled at living? Like, who is teaching you how to live? Have you thought about that? Like, who taught you how to be a good spouse? It's all my mom and dad did. Unless your mom and dad weren't good at being married. And then you have to ask yourself, who is teaching me to be a good spouse? Or finances. Who is teaching you to use your money in a way that shows that you're skilled at living? Who is teaching you to be skilled at parenting? Who is teaching you how to help to teach your kids to understand relationships and their emotional intelligence and and all of that. Who is teaching you how to be a good friend? Like fill in the blanks of all the things that you want to be skilled at life and who is teaching you how to do it? If your answer is, I don't know, then let me show you who is actually teaching you life. Pop culture. Pop culture is teaching you and your kids how to live. They're teaching you your opinions. They're teaching your views on religion. They're teaching you your views on dating. They're teaching you your views on modesty. They're teaching you your views on money. They're teaching you your views on so much in life. Pop culture is your mentor. I'm not saying All these people are all bad. They have some great qualities, some of them. But in light of your past experiences and your current circumstances and your future hopes and dreams, are they the people that you want to trust to teach you and your kids how to live skilled? See, that's why it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It doesn't mean that you have to be scared of God. It means that you respect and you honor and you treat him as God, right? And it's important that that, that we understand that part part of this is that that God's word and what God has said and what God through his Holy Spirit is saying is actually what we obey. Like that means that he is the Lord of our life. If not, then I'm playing God myself and asking God to ride shotgun. Which he'll let you do. But my guess is you'll spend most of your life sitting right here. Or we can say, so God, are you saying that you're willing to teach me to live? Actually, that's exactly what I'm saying, Darren. In fact, I've dedicated an entire book in the Bible that tells you that I'm willing to teach you how to live. In fact, all over in the Bible, it says things like, ask God for wisdom because he gives it out freely. Listen, as we go into chapter two of Proverbs, listen to what this says here. This is amazing. Chapter two of Proverbs. My child, listen to what I say and treasure my commands. Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. 
Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would silver and seek them like hidden treasures. Then you'll understand what it means to fear the Lord and you will gain knowledge of God. For the Lord grants wisdom and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. He is a shield to those who walk with integrity. He guards the path of the just and he protects those who are faithful to him. Then you will understand what is right and what is just and what is fair and you will find the right way to go. Who doesn't want that? For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will fill you with joy. Wise choices will watch over you. Understanding will keep you safe. Wisdom will save you from evil people, from those whose words are twisted. God wants to teach you how to live life the way he created it to be lived. And the time to start that process, guys, is right now. Right now is the time for wisdom. Because you see, when foolishness runs its course, it's too late for wisdom. Listen how chapter one finishes out. Chapter one finishes with wisdom saying this. It shouts in the streets for a hearing. She calls out to the crowds along Main Street and to the judges in their courts and to everyone in the land. You simpletons, she cries. How long will you go on being fools? How long will you scoff at wisdom and fight the facts? Come here and listen to me. I'll pour out the spirit of wisdom upon you and make you wise. I have called you so often, but still you won't come. I have pleaded, but all in vain. For you have spurned my counsel and reproof. Now listen how this turns here. This gets a little dicey. Someday you'll be in trouble and I'll laugh. Mock me, will you? I'll mock you. When a storm of terror surrounds you and when you're engulfed by anguish and distress, then I will not answer your cry for help. It will be too late. Though you search for me ever so anxiously, for you closed your eyes to the facts and you didn't choose to reverence the tr and trust the Lord. And you turned your back on me, spurning my advice. And this is why you must eat the bitter fruit of having your own way and experience the full terrors of the pathway you have chosen. For you turned away from me to death. Your own complacency will kill you, fools. But all who listen to me shall live in peace, safety, unafraid. Say, like, Darren, that's a little harsh mock me? Where's, where's the compassion of God for when I make foolish mistakes? Well, friend, here's the deal with this passage. Compassion is not speaking here. Wisdom is. See, when you screw up and you sit in the seat of the fool, the compassionate, love, forgiving, redeeming nature of God is there. But wisdom has nothing to say to you anymore because it's too late right? Because the time for wisdom is now. Because in light of your past experiences and your future, in your current circumstances and your hopes and dreams for the future, what's the wisest thing you could do right now? What we want to invite you to do is to commit to read the book of Proverbs together as a community and ask God for wisdom. He promises to give it to you. And who knows? In the next 31 days, maybe as a individual, as families, as a community, we will grow in our skill of living. 
And when people see the way that we live and we love and we spend and we save and all the things we do and they go, wow, your life looks like it's more peaceful and joyful and there's more love there and who's teaching you how to live? And you can say, Jesus. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for your wisdom, for the fact that you are not just a great savior and redeemer, but you're the wisest person ever. Father, you created us on purpose and for purpose, and you have given us um, this amazing relationship through your death and your resurrection, which we celebrated last week. But you don't stop there, God. You don't just leave us and say, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll see you guys in heaven, which would be still an amazing gift. But God, you actually want to teach us how to live. So I pray for the naive here today. That, Father, they would seek your spirit and they would seek out mentors. They would seek out help. They would seek out the experience and wisdom of those older to them so they would be able to to, to navigate and move past the pitfalls that a lack of experience brings. And I pray for us, God, that that are fools, that we would not condemn ourselves, but Father, we would be convicted. We would be motivated to begin asking some of the most powerful questions possible, to seek after your wisdom, to repent of our arrogance and our hard-headedness and in humility, accept your grace and your wisdom to begin to live life the way you created it. We love you. You're the best. In Jesus' name, amen.